0: That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. All right, Magali, can you say hello to the podcast listeners today? Hmm? Oh, don't oh, grab the microphone. That's expensive. Can you say hi, podcast listeners? <laughs> yeah, hi. Okay, let's get on to the show now. Have you ever heard this saying before that insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results, right? We've heard that before. Well, I often think about that in terms of friction. Like, what friction are we experiencing in our jazz playing and our musicianship that we keep leaning into, that we keep just accepting and instead of reducing that friction we just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again but yet are expecting our jazz playing and our musicianship to improve well today i'm going to be talking about that how to avoid friction in your jazz playing your jazz improvement and what we can do to start recognizing it let's do this thing Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here from Learn Jazz Standards, where we help musicians just like you learn how to play jazz, all while shortening the learning curve, no matter what instrument you play. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. So, Friction... Right? What kind of friction are you experiencing today in your jazz playing? What kind of friction are you experiencing today in your jazz playing? Now, I really was inspired to do this podcast today because I hear from a lot of musicians out there, whether they're subscribed to my email list or listen to this podcast or check out my YouTube channel or are indeed a part of my inner circle membership. I often hear things about how they're unsatisfied with their jazz playing. And that's just very obvious, right? Like people come to me to get help with their jazz playing. So it's bound to happen that I'm going to hear people complaining about their playing. Now, I do get this amazing opportunity, especially within our Inner Circle membership, to get to hear the playing of many of these musicians, right? Musicians who I get the pleasure of hearing their progress, the great progress they're making, but also get to hear those areas that they keep getting stuck in. Um, And those are the best things for me to hear, right? To hear where they're continually getting stuck because it gives me an opportunity as a teacher or as a coach to help point them in the right direction, right? Right. Because oftentimes, it's difficult for us to see it ourselves. However, in today's episode, that's kind of what I'm aiming to help you do, is help you see where that friction is in your jazz playing that you need to prove upon. So before I talk a little bit about that, uh, I want to give you a little example, tell you a little story, right? So I moved to New York City when I was in my sophomore year of college, Okay. And so naturally, I was, you know, new to the city, and there is a lot of jazz music here, and there's a lot of jam sessions, and there is a lot of opportunities to play with people, both within the college and other universities that are in the area, full of incredible music programs. And of course, the late night jam sessions that go on till four o'clock in the morning at some of the jazz clubs. And I came to the city with two pieces of gear that are very important as a guitar player for me to play jazz within the city, whether, again, it be gigs or jam sessions, whatever have you. I had a guitar and a case, and I also had an amplifier, right? That sounds pretty obvious, right? I needed an amplifier for my guitar. I needed a case to hold my guitar. Now, there are two really important things to point out about this. So number one is that my guitar case is what's called... You know, a carry case, right? It was a hard case that you carry with your hand. Okay. A hard case that you carry with your hand. Now an important thing to talk about with my amplifier is it was a 15 inch speaker amplifier, polytone uh solid state amplifier. Now, for those of you who are like not understanding any of that, like you're a horn player, triple player, don't understand guitar gear and all that good stuff. Well, a 15 inch speaker is actually a, a fairly big amplifier, um, not massive by any means, but it's still bigger and it's heavy. And so, because of that, I also had a push cart, right? And this is very common, especially for drummers in the city. They have these push carts and they stack their drums on top of each other and they push it around. Now. Something you should know about New York City, in case you've never been there before, most people do not have cars that live in the heart of the city, right? If you live on the outskirts a bit, if you live in the suburbs, or if you live in a more car-friendly neighborhood, perhaps in Queens or Brooklyn, then yeah, there is a chance that you might have a car. However, the vast majority of the population that actually lives there does not have a vehicle, And the reason that is, is because there's very few places to park and there's excellent transportation in New York City. And even though some locals may complain about the transportation being unreliable and so forth, you know, it is one of the best transportation systems, I think, in the country, the United States, or even the world, right? Um, We're not talking about how clean it is, but we're definitely talking about the fact that it runs 24-7, the fact that there are stations everywhere that you can walk to, um, and just lots of bus lines. There's a lot of things going on because there's a large population in a very densely populated area, so those people need to be served. So all the musicians carrying upright basses, guitars like me, drums, heavier instruments, we have to use the public transportation system most often the new york city subway now a few things you should know about the new york city subway if you've ever been or if you haven't been then this will be helpful to know usually quite often there are multiple sets of stairs involved to get to the train platform so you'll start by you know approaching on a street uh, a staircase that leads down to the first floor of the subway station. Now, the first floor of the subway station um, usually has your opportunity to buy your metro ticket and for you to swipe your card through the turnstile. Um, and then you go through the turnstile. And then, usually, not always, but usually, there's at least one other set of stairs you need to go up or down to get to the platform where your train's going to be. And in some cases, multiple stairs or escalators or what have you and yes there are some access to elevators right they they do exist but there's not very many of them you have to kind of walk to the elevator and so on and so forth but i'm telling you all this information just to kind of paint the picture for you of how tricky it can be if you have a heavy instrument and you're carrying it around new york city like for example the drummers right if you're a drummer you have this push cart like i mentioned with all your drums stacked on top of each other you're having to go down multiple sets of stairs so hopefully you have someone to help you or you are having to seek out that elevator either way it's a lot of work to push your stuff down the street and you know it's likely that if you live um In New York City, you're living in an apartment, and unless you live on the ground floor, you're gonna deal with multiple sets of stairs. And there's a lot of pre war old buildings in New York City. For example, the first apartment I lived in was a five floor walk up, no elevator, right? So it's a lot of work to be a musician in a place like New York City. Whereas perhaps if you live in a rural area or just out in the country somewhere, um, or suburb- the suburbs for example you probably have a car and if you have a heavy instrument like an upright bass you can load that instrument into the car drive to the venue which will probably have you know some kind of parking lot whether it's just a friend's house or a restaurant or something like that set up and get ready to go so a little less pain and suffering right and of course, New Yorkers also have the opportunity to take Ubers or taxis, but that's very expensive. And if you're a musician, especially if you're going to a gig or you're a college student like I was when I first moved to New York City, this isn't really a feasible option, right? Um, you don't want to be going to a gig that maybe pays $100 or $150 and spend 30 to $40 on a cab ride. It just doesn't quite make sense, right? Unless you're making, you're playing a gig that, you know, is a lot more lucrative than that, not just one of the casual bar gigs, right, that we would play. So, again, I'm painting this picture for you and reminding you about the landscape that musicians in New York City have to deal with, but also to circle back to the kind of gear I came to New York City with. Again, I came to New York City with a carry case that I had to carry with my right hand. And a push cart with a heavy amplifier that I had to push with my left hand. So you can imagine me just trying to do something as simple as going to a jam at one of the other local colleges because someone invited me to a jam session or going to a gig that I had gotten. You know, this is a big thing. I'm going down my five-floor walk-up with a heavy amplifier with a carry cart and a guitar in my right hand and i'm pushing it out the door i'm walking it to the subway station 2 blocks away i'm going down the stairs i'm waiting for the train i'm cramming into the train and you know trying to get room for all of my gear and the train people get annoyed if it's during rush hour okay then you get to where you need to go and then you go up the stairs and then you push yourself over to where you're going right and this could take 45 minutes an hour right It sounds horrible, and it can be horrible, right? (laughs) But this is kind of what we do. And I haven't even really mentioned what the weather is like in New York City in the summer, right? So if you don't know the United States that well, on the East Coast, it can get kind of humid even up north where New York City is. In fact, it gets quite humid and hot during the summer. And the subways are even hotter because there's no air conditioning, very limited ventilation, and it really just becomes this sauna hot box that you're uh, waiting on the train for, hoping to get into the you know air conditioned train as soon as possible, right? So again, I, all of this is kind of difficult. And for years, I lived with this. I would carry that guitar, that heavy guitar with my right hand and push that cart with my left hand And somehow I figured out how to haul it up and down long subway steps and down long New York City blocks to all of my different destinations to play uh, my instrument and to learn how to play better. Right now, as a result, you know, I I would often have a lot of pain in my back and in my shoulders. Right. Because you can imagine like carrying all this heavy stuff for such a long period of time, a lot of pressure on your body to do this right now I'd always see uh much wiser musicians than me (laughs) carrying around backpack cases right so guitar players can get these cases that are actually like backpacks and your guitar sits inside of the sack and you wear it like a knapsack basically now it's still heavy because it's a guitar you're wearing on your back but it's exponentially easier on your body to wear a heavy backpack than it is to carry a really heavy, hard case in your right hand, right? And I'd also see lots of guitar players carrying around these small amplifiers, like small amplifiers that were usually a little bit higher quality because they wanted a good sound. And therefore, they would have a little, even a little carrying case. So they'd have their backpack on and they'd literally have a small amplifier that was either carryable with one hand or they could carry with both hands, right? So again, not perfect, not entirely comfortable, but exponentially easier to get around the city, to get to your destination and to play music than it was the way I was doing it. And I resisted doing this and investing my money in a backpack case or a smaller amplifier Partly because I truth I truthfully didn't have a lot of money at the time, like I didn't really have a lot, and so any expense to me was a much bigger deal than it is to me now, right? Um, you know. But that being said, you know, purchasing the two hundred and fifty dollar—I don't even remember how much my case, my I, my backpack case costs, but you know, it was something that I could have done, right? I could have made sacrifices elsewhere to essentially save my body a lot of turmoil, but also make my experience of becoming a musician in New York City much easier, right? And with an amplifier, I could have settled for um, not the best quality one, right? But one that would do the job and still get the job done and be small enough and feasible enough to carry around that would have probably even allowed me to make more exceptions of like you know i'm actually going to go do this jam session all the way in brooklyn because you know it's going to it's not going to be as hard or difficult for me to do as with my current setup right but i never made that sacrifice i never i never changed my path whether because of the money thing or it was just because of a, a nature that i actually have which is i don't like dealing with new gear I don't like buying new things. I don't like shopping for things very much. It's just not my thing to do, right? I, I I talked about in our quick win episode last Friday where I finally did eventually recently invest in a very high quality professional instrument. You know, it took me a long time to come to that conclusion to do it because I just simply don't like changing what I already know works, right? But of course, again, Doing this for years, and when I say years, I do mean years, I now have a weird tick when I'm walking around where I'll like shrug my shoulders a little bit, and I'm 100% convinced that came from years of carrying around equipment around New York without proper care for my body, right? So sometimes I'll be walking down the street, and I'll just kind of randomly shrug my shoulders, right? It's just like a little tick that I've developed, right? So all these things... That made my life much harder and still have lasting effects into this day because I chose not to reduce the friction I was experiencing. Right. And so there I just said, it. I said that word that's kind of the theme of today's episode friction. Right. How long will we go on with the friction that's causing us to not become a better musician just because it's more comfortable in the moment? to do nothing about it, right? And that's essentially what was happening to me is even though I was uncomfortable, it was just easier for me to keep going through the motions of what I was already doing, right? It was easier for me not to deal with the problem at hand and to simply continue going along the way I was going along, right? But of course, years later, I eventually did invest in all of those things. I invested in a smaller amplifier that was good quality, that was carryable, and I got that backpack case and 100% things became exponentially easier, right? Eventually, I actually did invest in a car, which we won't get into that, the pros and cons of that. I now live in a much more car-friendly area of the region, but... um, You know, all these things eventually reduced the friction that I was experiencing around the idea of going around the city playing music. But let's bring this back into more of our application for today's episode, which is when we're listening to ourselves play, whether it be because we recorded ourselves or we're hearing ourselves in real time and we don't like what we're hearing, oftentimes we just Double down on what we're already doing, right? I just need to practice more is a big common one people will say to themselves. I just need to practice more. And so they'll practice for longer hours. They'll feel badly when they don't practice long hours because that's the idea. I guess I just need to get my 10,000 hours in, right? And then I'll become the musician I want to become, right? We tell ourselves these sorts of things. Or we go, you know what it is? I just need to learn more jazz solos, right? If I learn more jazz solos, I would finally become the jazz improviser I've always wanted to be. And that's not necessarily a wrong statement. That's definitely a helpful tool. But you'll just continue on doing the same things you're doing, yet still listen back to yourself and go, I still don't like what I'm playing. Or You'll keep improvising over that jazz standard with the backing track over and over and over and over again, perhaps for 20, 30 minutes at a time, improvising over these chord changes, but you're still frustrated with how you can't outline the chord changes effectively. Okay. And I hear this all the time, right? And I hear, here's a common one that I actually hear with inner circle members that I'm constantly coaching and recorrecting on is like, Hey, I'm playing great melodic ideas but I can't play long stretches of eighth notes, right? It all just sounds like small broken up ideas over the chord changes, right? Okay, so this is where we have to become a little bit more active. And the first step to reducing friction in your jazz playing is by listening to yourself, right? And a lot of people have a resistance to doing that. That's why in our Inner Circle membership, one thing that we really encourage people to do and our most successful members are the ones that are continually recording themselves and sharing their progress with the rest of the community and, of course, themselves. Essentially, they're documenting what they're doing, right? So you have to start there. But it can't stop there either. You have to listen to your playing from an objective standpoint, not in a judgmental standpoint of like, oh, God, I can't believe I played that wrong note again. Oh, my gosh, this is totally not where I want to be now. That's not really ultimately helpful, right? That's kind of more approaching it from an emotional perspective, right, rather than just a logical diagnosis kind of a perspective, so what you need to look at is go, oh, I don't like this particular occurrence that just happened in my jazz playing. Stop the recording. What's happening there? Okay, what is actually going on? What specifically about that note did I not like? Okay, so we can listen to that note and go, oh, the problem with that note is I resolved to the fourth on this chord instead of the third. I mean, that's just an example, that's like, but that's specific, right? I'm being very specific with you because that's kind of the way I want you to think when you're diagnosing your playing, right? Or, you know, something's missing from my solo. What is it? Uh, let me go listen to my favorite saxophonist. Oh, wow. They really just, they play these longer two-bar phrases every once in a while. Or, man, they really play with a lot more rhythm and syncopation. How do I do that? Like, what is something that I can do right now to emulate what they're doing? Now, most of the time, the answer isn't, okay, let me put on a backing track and improvise for endless amounts of hours. No, what we need to do is we need to take the magnifying glass, right? Even take the microscope out, pinpoint that area that we really wanna focus on and slowly but surely, Start sanding it down, start rounding off the corners, start working on that thing. Or perhaps your teacher or your coach or something that I've said to you on this podcast over and over and over and over again, you've heard it, but you've never actually taken action on it. Like, you know, this is something that you need to do. Could be something really broad, like, Hey, I know I need to, um, you know, work on these three things in order to improve, right? I'm not learning jazz standards right now, or I'm not learning the melody by ear yet, right? I'm still reading all the melodies out of a real book, right? But you've never actually gone through and adjusted that, right? Then we can't really expect change, right? Let's go back to that quote from the beginning of the episode. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, and it's expecting different results. So, there's this moment of reckoning that we need to have to start off with is listen back to yourself and from an objective standpoint, get very specific what it is about your playing that you don't actually enjoy, right? And the second step is we need to create a strategy to solving that issue, right? And, and that's where, yes, having resources, whether it be this podcast, my YouTube channel, or um, a course or perhaps a membership like our inner circle membership can be incredibly helpful because then you're getting the guidance and you're getting helpful solutions on an ongoing basis right and you want to find one of those solutions right uh, or one resource or you know one thing that you know is going to help your rhythm improve the way you want it to improve, or one exercise that you know that's going to help you play those longer eighth note lines, right? Whatever happens to be, or the tone, you're, maybe you're suffering with your tone, like, man, I play great, great lines, I play great music, but my tone on my trumpet is just not good. What is it that you need to do to correct that? What is it that you need to be intentional about in order to turn that around? Because I can assure you, my friends, I have heard great musicians where I've told them to do something, not once, not twice, but three times, four times, five times, six times, 10 times, right? And 100% they improve in a lot of areas of their playing, but there's still that element that they're ignoring, that they're not dealing with. And that's totally okay. It's just that it's going to slow their progress down a lot until they address it, right? Until, for example, you learn to identify chord tones so strongly and base your improvisation off of chord tones alone. Until you really tackle that, you're not going to really be able to start playing chord changes, right? You can try to go straight to using fancy scales to you know even like learning jazz solos and learning all this jazz language and that's going to help you're going to improve 100%. But if you don't address the most important thing that you're missing out on, you're not going to end up getting to that goal, right? So there's this moment of discomfort that we all have to deal with, right? We all have to deal with that moment of discomfort where it's like, "Hey, I'm carrying this case and this amplifier for way too long." and I don't want to make the change. There's something inside of me that's going, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it next month. I'll do it when it's a more convenient time for me. But we have to just get over that hump to where we make the decision that we really need to focus on that. Now, here's the good news, because right now, everything I'm telling you is like, you're Brent, you're telling me I have to go through some pain, or you're telling me what I've heard my entire life, which is in order to make any meaningful change, I'm going to have to Put in work, right? And we all know that, right? We all know that sometimes we have to go through discomfort in order to, you know, improve, right? In fact, most of the time we do. Like, only change happens when we have to go through a little bit of some fire to get to the other side of it way, way, way better than we were before. We know that, right? I'm preaching to the choir here. But the good news is that this all really just starts with mindfulness right? It all just starts with listening, identifying, and just being mindful it's something that I want to do, right? So uh, here's another example. Um, Years ago, I kind of came to terms with something that I was really struggling with in my life, which was anxiety. Lots of chronic anxiety, right? Something that I was carrying with me since I was a kid, um and I'm not here to tell you today I'm cured, right? I think everybody suffers from you know mental uh health issues throughout their entire life. Um but one of the most important things for me was I realized that I actually didn't even know when I was feeling anxious, right? It's I just had lived that way for so long that sometimes I couldn't even pinpoint when it was happening or what that felt like. And so one huge step that really helped Really, really helped me was just finally being mindful that that's something like when I felt something that's what was going on, right, and that way I at least I knew what was happening, and I knew I could start imp, imp, you know implying some strategies to fix that, or I knew I needed to change my behavior or I could think more about it like well, what caused that or like what behavior do I need to change, or how can I think about something differently, or how can I accept something differently right? I could go on and on forever about that. That's not what this episode is about. But that mindfulness, honestly, was a huge thing for me. Just being mindful that this isn't my ideal situation right now. Not necessarily even doing anything about it, but just being aware of it. Because inevitably, once you're constantly mindful of the fact that you keep resolving to non-chord tones when you're trying to land on a... on on the one chord of a two, five, one, you keep doing that and it's giving you an unpleasurable result. Whether you do anything about it or not in the moment, if you're constantly aware that it's happening, you'll slowly over time make the necessary adjustments to hit your target a lot closer. Okay, so how do we reduce friction in our jazz playing? The biggest way to reduce friction is to simply be mindful of where the friction is. And then over time, We can make those adjustments. You know, it'll start meaning more to you when I say play longer eighth note lines in your solos. Okay, what does that mean? What does that actually look like? How could I practice that? Oh, hey, I didn't do it again. How can I do that, right? And the more you think about this stuff, the more your playing will improve. And all it really does is it takes time to do these things. So I hope that this gave you something to think about today. And what I want you to do with this episode today is think about what is the friction in your playing right now and what can you do today to change it? So start by being mindful of it and then think of one thing that you can do actively today that would start addressing it and turning the course. Mm -hmm. All right. That's all for today's show. Thank you for joining me today. Appreciate your time. Hope that you enjoyed this episode and that you found this helpful, that you got something out of it. Hey, LJS Inner Circle membership, we'd love to have you join us. uh, If you need some extra help with your jazz playing, a little extra direction, uh, a community of other musicians playing all sorts of instruments that are here to help and support you and have a good time. The main thing we do in there is we learn a new jazz standard every single month. And uh, it's just awesome. But we also have a bunch of other courses on specific things like the blues or rhythm changes or ear training or what have you, right? Or if you're a piano player, guitar player, trumpet player, bass player, piano player, we have uh, courses specifically for you too. But even just that simple goal of learning a new jazz standard a month really well and uh, taking something away from that, that's really where we see a lot of people making a lot of success. So feel free to join us over at ljsinnercircle.com. That's where you can learn more about it. Sign up and we'd love to have you. All right, we're coming out with another great episode of the podcast this upcoming Friday for a quick win episode. We'll see you back then. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and happy practicing. Cheers. <laughs>